0: Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, How are (laughs) y'all? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and thank you for your faithfulness for always being there, always being faithful, always being true, and we give you the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. So, um, what a great day out, right? We're nice. having some good, good sunshine. I was like, I was having a pretty good day last Sunday or last Saturday, and I was watching my my Oklahoma Sooners and the Texas. And they keep things way too close, but like just blow them out and put them away. But I was watching my Oklahoma Sooners eat the Texas Longhorns, and I was like, the only thing I can think of that's more evil than the Texas Longhorns is mayonnaise. <laughs> and they might be just like right, right, even. I was like, they got so much in common, like 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 with the devil, right? They're burnt orange. They have horns, you know. I was like, how much more? And then the Sooners, like, right? They're crimson and cream. I was like, the blood of Jesus, man. That's God's, God's team, right? And plus, they're Sooner, and Jesus is coming soon, right? So obviously, they're God's team. But then I was thinking of mascots. What's up with mascots? But, like we think, like, no offense to the Oregon Ducks, but Ducks? Really? <laughs> Can't you find like, something like lions or bears or something like that? But, or huskies? Like, oh, I'm going to bring my pet, right? And he might lick you to death, right? So, but anyway, I've got to tease some people when I get the chance. So. Um, anyway, so I was watching the game, and I um, got a call, and someone said that Israel was under attack. And when I heard those words, my response was, Israel's always under attack. Like, like I, I know this. Israel's always under attack. Okay, so what's new? And then they said, no, no, it's it's different. And I was like, okay. So I went upstairs, and I told Linda, I was like, because she wants to watch football with me. Can you believe that? Please pray for her that she she turns into a Sooner fan, right? <laughs> but um, someday, right? So I went up with Linda. I went up, and I was like, hey. I was like, Israel's under attack. And she said, Israel's always under attack. Same thing that I said. And I said, no, it's different. And um, my heart goes out to to the to the whole situation. The reason that we kind of think Israel's always attacked is because they have an Iron Dome system. And I remember I have a rabbi that I really love, yeah, loved. It. Um, he passed on now, but he lived in Starat, and, um, which is right above the Gaza border. And it was one of the towns that got Got hit really hard, and then you go from Stirat to Ascalon and all those countries below. But um, I always remember watching those videos, and there'd always be like incoming rockets, and like, oh, we got we gotta go to the we gotta go to the bomb shelter, we gotta go do this, we gotta go do that, and it was constantly, and it was day in, and it was day out, and then when they got the Iron Dome system or the David Dome or you know whatever they call it, you know the Iron Dome it got to where they got used to it because, oh, yeah, there goes a the rocket. Oh, there goes the missile, and it's going to intercept the, the rocket. And so they literally lived like this. Like, they have bomb shelters in their schools, and they had, their kids would be playing with fragments from that. And so it's just like, you know what? It's just part of the price of living in Israel, part of the par- price of being there. And the people were, have resolved, and they were tough. And those people in that area... Are really tough, and so when I heard that, I was like, "Yeah, I was like, there's there's missiles every day," and so it almost like lulled me to to sleep. But when I heard what really happened, my heart broke, and I thought, "Well, that's not that's not normal," and so that's not not good. And then my heart doesn't just break for Israel, but the Palestinian people. So Hamas is a terrorist organization, and and they're rotten. Palestinian people are not our enemies. There's some really good Palestinian people, and and that are trapped in a prison where where the Arab countries won't let them flee, and Hamas is literally using them as shields. And so, there's so much that goes on over there that that um, that depend on where you get your information from. Mainstream news will be like, "Oh, well, they're hitting civilians," and they don't tell you that. They're telling the civilians, they're calling them before they move. They used to door, roof tap, where they'd send a, send a little thing that would tap the top of the bill and say, hey, you got like a few minutes to get out of here, right, and before they blow it up. But they buried themselves and planted themselves in um, hospitals and in residential areas and are shooting rockets over into, uh, into Israel from those places, and so they have no choice. They're trying to choose life right now from what I understand. They're holding off an invasion and they're telling the people to leave and the moss is telling them to stay. And so those people are trapped. And so my heart breaks for those people because although there is a third of them that want them in power and a third of them that celebrated the slaughter and butcher of, of people, um, there's many people in there that are hurt and are broken. And my heart goes out to them. And so I want to... I want to um, be in prayer for for them and for Israel now I stand with Israel, but I don't always agree with what their government does. you know you can do both right and so Israel was really divided coming up into into this attack, and there's nothing in in like one one day they did more to unite Israel than it would have taken years to happen, and so they're united. They're not perfect, they're gonna make mistakes just like you make mistakes. But I stand with, with, with Israel as Israel. Not that I have to agree with everything and every, everything the government does. And so, although I do believe they have the right to defend themselves, and I believe as America, we, have a, we, we should stand up with them too. And so, I was, um, <coughs> hey, I try not to, I don't wanna be political but this isn't political. This is about life and about death. We call things evil, good and evil. But in the Garden of Eden, there was two trees that they ate on, That they, God told them. He's like, you can eat out of the tree of life, but I don't want you to eat off of the tree of good and evil. We're so quick to call things good or evil when it really comes down to two things, which is when we're eating off the tree of life, we're going to have life the only the opposite of life is what death he said said i i lay before you life and death choose which one do you want do you, do you want do you want life or do you want death it's not about good and evil listen it doesn't matter how someone dies the fact that they were killed by you is not good it's death right and so what's one way more evil it seems more evil and more disgusting but it's still still wrong and so but it's not about good and evil it's about there's life and then there's death which are you going to choose are you going to choose life or are you going to choose death and so um i have much respect for for israel because they are going at their own peril trying to evacuate people from a place they're going to have to go in allowing them time to set booby traps and all this they 're literally making their lives harder to save lives and i 'm thankful for that on the other hand continue i can 't stress it enough um, can 't hate can 't hate people away we got to love people and, and pray for them and you know what really is crazy is every one of those people who who murdered somebody, Jesus paid for that on the cross. He took that sin on the cross. And so we're so quick to hate people when Jesus like loved them so much, even the ones that are so rotten and so so disgusting. He said, I love them so much that I'm going to give my life for them. Remember Paul in the Bible? Like he got on his horse named Leroy. And he had done been harassing and holding, holding the coat of, of them while they were killing Christians. He was partaking in it, right? And he's on his way to do more damage Right? And God literally knocks him off of his horse and blinds him. Sometimes we need to be blinded physically so we can see spiritually. Right? And God changed his life. Guess what he was? It wasn't any different. I mean, it was in some ways. But really, he's still killing people. Right? Or participating in it. Or condoning it. And you know what God did? God not only saved him, but he changed his heart. And he wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. A lot of these words that we read come from Paul. That should give us much hope. And it also gives me reason to pray. You know what? I pray. I know you really are messed up and you're really lost. But you know what? I pray that God will, will, will save you and turn your, your um, heart around. My flesh wants to say, so when they kill you, <laughs> you go to heaven. Right? But I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to see things as God sees things and see things in God's heart and in God's love. And no, I'm not, I'm going to love and I'm going to pray, but I'm also going to stand. There's a time when we can defend ourselves, and that's, this is a time. And so I just want to encourage you. When I first heard that, I had (coughs) to, excuse me, I got a little fluid in my lungs trying to get it all out. Um, <coughs> um, I was getting ready last week because I was helping up at Tim's church helping fill in for him we had Wayne, Wayne did a great job huh? Yeah. he's a good dude man and, a, and a, he's going to be a great preacher he's already on his way but um, I, I had something totally totally different I was preaching and then I opened, opened the Bible and started reading God gave me this scripture I was like yeah I'll pass it away I mean, not pass it away, I ain't going to kill it, right? But I'll just set it aside and I'll read it more when I get home. And so I got up there and they're like, hey, do you know what happened in Israel? And I was like, yeah, I heard. And they're like, would you say something? And I was like, oh yeah, and it just kind of tied into my message. But when I read it, I was like, no way, God, no way. And so it says this, there is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides on the heavens to help you. And on the clouds, in his majesty, the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemy before you, saying, Destroy him. So Israel will live in safety alone. Jacob's spring is secure in the land of grain and new wine, where the heavens (coughs) drop dew. Blessed are you, O Israel. Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord? He is your shield and your helper and your glorious sword. Your enemies will cower before you and you will trample down their high places. I was like, wow, God, you're on it. It's almost like he knows what's going to happen before it happens. Even, Even when we... We, we don't know. But I believe there's a great, great victory. One thing I've learned is that truth is already true long before anyone that God believes it. What, what Worse, like it doesn't change, well, I don't believe that God created the heavens and the earth. Well, it doesn't change the fact that he did change the heavens and the earth. Well, I don't believe that the Oklahoma Sooners beat the Texas Longhorns, right? I got to get that in. It doesn't change the fact <laughs> That it did happen, right? I don't believe that James is really good looking. Well, I don't believe that you believe that, but if that was possible for you to believe that, you're wrong, right? That's not true, right? We find truth in everything, and we have a standard, and our standard is always going to the word of God, right? and that's why he he gave he he gave it to me. Um, I was right driving by a sign, and it said, if you're making a, middle, a mental note, make sure you write it down. <laughs> and it made me think, yeah. Because like, the older I get, it's like, like some things I'll think, oh, that's really cool. And, what, was I th- what was I thinking? What, what was that about, right? So, so mental notes are really good. Before the written word, they would pass it down orally. And they still have the oral law, um, in in um, that the Jews would would pass down, but um, the Torah is written down. The Scripture is written down so that everybody can write it. And there's something about writing something down that gives legitimacy to it, and it gives a reality to it. And so it's important. We have a standard. It was it was written by men, yes, but it was breathed by the Spirit of God, and it and it coincides, and it's so together now now you can like well i don't like that translation or this tri- translation and god used some of the people taught spoke in their own to their own culture in their translations and you can see a little hint of it like i'm talking a little bit i'm like yeah you know paul got on his horse named leroy and like nobody would know know what that meant you know if you weren't in the horse world or a cowboy or you know american right and so it's our culture. It's what we are. But when you go back to the very root of it, it means what it means. And it says what it says. And it cannot, you can't dispute that, right? It's the spirit of it that brings us life, not the letter. And this is, this is our compass. This is our standard bearer. And, and, it gives, and it's a gauge for us also. Now when we're walking in the spirit, we have gauges too, right? When I see myself getting frustrated, when I see myself getting mad, it's like my, my car. If I see my car, i got a temperature gauge in there, and it's starting to overheat. Like, i got to do something about that. Why? Because if it overheats, I'm going to be walking. Right? You can lock your engine up, just like when we overheat, and we get so mad and get so full of hate. Our, our temperature is going all the way over here, and pretty soon our, our engine seizes up, and it starts affecting our heart. And I don't just mean our phys- physical heart. I mean our spiritual heart. And we don't operate and move like we really should. And so we have those gauges called the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness. If I'm not walking in peace, what's going on in my life? If, if I'm not loving, what's going on in my life? If, I, if, I'm, in a, if I'm not being patient, it's a gauge. You know what? Well, I'm just not trusting in God's timing and his purpose and, and what he's wanting. And so it's just telling me, hey, go back. You know, slow down, put a little water in your, or antifreeze freeze or whatever you do. I don't know. I'm not much of a mechanic. If my, my car overheats, I just cry, you know? So, but they're, but they're gauges for us. And there's a compass for us and there's a truth. And we find truth in God's word and what he says. And so that makes it where whatever I give myself up to gives itself to me according to its nature. Right? So if I give myself up to being angry or being bitter or being mad, do you know what that produces? Its nature. It produces more of it in my life, right? You'll be mad and you'll be mad at, at the car that that I was riding with Teddy Bear up to a concert, and he was behind the Prius, and I just had to chuckle. I was like, like, nobody in a Prius is a hot rodder, right? They got nowhere to go. They're just like, I'm just like, they're probably enjoying life, but the people behind them are not, Right? We're we're like, would you just step on it already? Like, someone get him a Mustang and then we'd be really frustrated because you don't drive a Mustang like that, I mean, right? And so, but he's like, what is with this traffic? It's just, just, I got somewhere to go. And I was like, dude, you got plenty of time. I know, but I want to get there. And I was like, and I was just laughing. I was like, I've done been through this. I was like, like, you know what? You keep giving yourself to that frustration over this stupid Prius as a Sunday driver, you're going to run into 10 Priuses before we ever get where we're going. Pretty soon, that car pulls off, and he drives another mile, and then another car gets in front of him and it's going like this. That pulls off, and then he's just getting frustrated, and he looks at me and goes, okay, whatever. And you know what happens? The road just clears. Why? Because you give yourself over to that nature of it. You think, well, if I fight it, I'm going to get... More, I'm going to get less of it. But what really happens is when we fight it, we get more of a fight. I learned that with horses a long time ago. You you want to have a long day? Just get in a fight with a horse. <laughs> they 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 outweigh you. So I tell that horse, I was, I was like, uh, like if you have five minutes, you pretend you have all day. Like you got to be committed to all day because if you don't have all day, you. You're gonna be there all day, right? And so I lied to him. Father, forgive me for my sin. I lied to him. I was like, I know I don't only have five minutes, but I've got all day, horse. Just take your time. Just settle down. What it does? is a gauge inside me. I got all day, and so it gives us, it gives us, um, it gives us bearing. It's. Now listen to this again because it's real important, especially when we're running through times like these, because we could get very easily be bitter, right? I'm Jewish. My family's Jewish. I've seen Jewish names on that wall that were murdered that have my name on it and my my family's names on it. And it really bothers me, right? It really did. And then God's like, "Check, Gage, where are you coming from? Are you coming from anger?" Or are you coming from love What's the gauge saying? And I was like, I'm going to pay attention to that gauge because whatever I give myself up to gives itself to me according to its nature. That's why in the scripture, in Exodus 1414, they were in a bi- they, they were scared for their lives, not much different than where where Israel is today. And uh, I will say this too. there's a lot of Christians who have been bashing Israel, too. And they're bashing Israel because they believe that Israel was replaced by the church. And that is a lie, straight from hell, right? And so, just just so you know, if I heard someone say that, I wouldn't trust that leader enough to follow them to the mailbox and back, right? Because it's dangerous, and it's deadly, and it's not right, and it doesn't line up with Scripture, right? And so, but here they are, they're, they're in a battle, and... And it looks impossible. And God says, if you hold your peace. He said, hold your peace. And let the Lord fight the battle. Now, we look at it as like, well, I'm just going to be quiet. That's holding my peace. You just need to. Like, like in Oklahoma, I heard it like this. My mom didn't say, hey, hold your peace. She said, shut up. <laughs> hey, you just want to shut up. right? You can shut up right now or I'll slap that smile off your face. All right? You know, she wasn't really like that, but I mean, kind of at times, you know, so, but um, shut up, hold your peace, don't talk, just, just, just hold your peace, but that's not just what hold your peace means, right, sometimes it's good to hold our peace, because we really don't know what's happening, and we really don't know what to say. I, like, I had to sit back and say, hey, you know, where?" I had to find out where my sources were on this, what was really happening, and then if I got the permission from God to say something, then I can say something, but I'm not saying it just out of, blurting it out out of anger or frustration or fear, right? Perfect love cast out all fear, right? So, so we have a hope, and that hope And that peace that we have, the Bible says there's a peace that breaks down every wall. And do you know who his name is? It's Jesus, right? He's the peace that passes all understanding. He is the Prince of Peace. And so when I think about that, I also think that's in the Old Testament. So that word peace there is shalom. If I hold my peace, well, well, peace isn't just talking about what you're saying, but it's talking about what is your peace. Your peace means completeness. It means that that you have everything you need. Some people say nothing missing or nothing broken. It's a completeness, and that's what we have in Jesus and in his promises and in his truth. So sometimes when the whole world's shaking and it seems scary and seems like there's no hope, we we get to a point where, oh, God gives us a promise, and he says, hold your peace. You know what he's saying? Hold on to that completeness that you have inside, and what's going on in the inside will come out on the outside, right, and so we're not caught up in anger, and we're not caught caught up in hating people. And we're not caught up. We're we're praying for people, like for all of them, and so, um, and praying that that God will will bring peace. But when they say peace, peace, you know, wars close, and that's what happened to to Israel there. So. When you're praying, here's another key that, that I, I remember. We're looking for, we pray first, and we're looking for all these great things on the outside. But when, when we pray, what really happens is prayer works. But first, prayer works in me. It's in me and through me that we see God do his greatness and do his goodness and, 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 and love us, right? <coughs> I'm almost out of water. This is like Kirkland purified water. I was like, I've been drinking life water. It's like I was buying it because it's got like these electrolytes and stuff. And um, one thing I learned was there was this Japanese guy, a scientist, and he was studying water. And so he'd look at water in a peachy, not a peachy, a petri thing, dish, whatever you call that thingamajig, right? And he'd say, say, I love you. You're so precious. You're so good. You know? And then he would put it under a magnifying glass. And it would literally change the water. And it would, like, come to life and make all these fancy crystals. Right? And then he's like, well, that's kind of weird. So, so, like, this is documented. Like, this is a real deal. And so then he took the water and he's like, I hate you. You're rotten. Mm-hmm. Right? And it, and it deformed the water and the crystals, you know what? There's a good chunk of us that is made up of what? Water. water. You think your words don't have power? Right? So I was thinking, you know what? I'm drinking life water, like Kirkland purified water? Like, right? really, what does that come from? Arrowhead, Aquafina. What does Dasani even mean? I mean, really? I'm not drinking something that I don't know. What if it works on the writing? No, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to get life water. I did try smart water, but after a week, my wife said it wasn't working. <laughs> so I went right back to, to the life water because it also reminds me of Jesus, right? Because he's the living water, right? He, he's who we live off of, and that's who we want to drink. That's, that's what we want to live off of is the living water. He said, I have water that you know nothing about to the woman at the well who wasn't perfect and he wasn't talking about this kind of water he was talking about a water that's a living water that will quench your thirst and that's what the entire world needs right now amen so we see over here (coughs) we always hear always hear whenever Israel's under attack like this it's the it's Ezekiel war it's Ezekiel 38 war it's it's the end times and and I believe in eschatology. I believe in the second coming of you know, Jesus. I tell you guys that all the time. But I also believe that, that, that we don't, don't get so caught up in that that we don't live now. And you can go to Second Peter 3, and he talks about that same thing. He, he, he's like, we're, we're saying, well, my grandpa and my great grandpa, and they all believed, and it never happened. And he addresses that perfectly. And he says, hey, you know what? A day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day, right? can't get caught up in that. But, but when it comes to the Ezekiel War, one thing, that they haven't checked all the scriptural boxes. Number one, Damascus has to be level. Israel has to be, have no gates and no walls. Have you ever go to Israel? There's a lot of those things, right? And, and, just, um, and they'll be in a peace and prosperity, and it won't be like this, right? And then the last one is they're going to be alone, They're not alone right now. And so that tells me, again, the Bible's like a gauge. Well, what's going on? Am I saying nobody knows when Jesus is coming back? We can't even agree on it. We got pre, we got post, and then we got, well, you know, and we confuse the rapture with the second coming, right? Because the rapture is not the second coming Uh, of Jesus. The second coming is when Jesus comes at the end of the tribulation and puts his foot down on the Mount of Olives and says, hey boys, I'm back. Right? Comes back. Jesus in a flesh, human, resurrected, glorified body. He's all man and he's all all God. Right? And he's so big that he lives in us too. And that's what I think is more the blessed hope is not not him coming back in the rapture and taking us away, because we can't agree. Even like like I can't agree with myself sometimes. I I have a thing that I I believe, but then there's times where I listen to someone else. I'm like, no, you got a point. You know, I don't know. Look, the, the answer is, I don't know. Nobody knows, but I do know this: that His word is true. And it's correct. And if I trust in him and put my hope in him, and if I live for him, I'm going to see victory in my life. And so we, we see 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8, where, um, where actually I, lo- I love the Chronicles because it's, it's, a, it's a story. It's telling you, we see, see David, David um, defeats the Philistines. Now, the Palestinians are not the Philistines. Right, they, they're they're not a Philistine descent. The Philistines were carried off with the Jews to Babylonia, and they don't exist no more. A lot of the the Palestinians that come there come there when when the British had it, and that's a whole other message. But but it's more of an Arab descent. That's why the Arab nations are with them. Most of the Jews that stay in the land are are they when they do DNA tests, they're they're. Jewish and 50% Canaanite, which is just to the north, which is like the Lebanese. But so so are the Arabs that have been there forever. They're they're 50% Arab and 50% Canaanite. Look, we're all related. They're just cousins. It's a family feud, really. And so, but it's not about land. And I'll tell you what it's about real quick, because I got to get to this, because that clock don't like me. I'm going to read in 1 Chronicles, I'm going to 16 verse 8 says this. So David got had gotten the, the Ark of the Covenant back, and he sets it up, and now they're they're celebrating and they're singing songs, and Asaph here is, is writing a song. They're having a worship service. <coughs> Excuse me. It's like you could call him Jim. He's a, he's a worship leader, right? Give thanks to the Lord, call on His name, make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he pronounced. O descendants of Israel, his servant. O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. And you know what that means in Hebrew, that all? It means all, right? He remembers his covenant forever. Do you know how long forever is? Forever. The word he commanded or the promise he made. For a thousand generations. The covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. What is that saying? They're singing a song. He's going back all the way to, to Isaac or to Abraham and to Isaac and, and to Jacob. And he's saying, this is a covenant promise. When you made a covenant back then, it's like in, in Genesis. He said, when he came to Abraham and he, he, he says, says, hey, dude, I'm your shield and your exceedingly great reward. You know what he's telling? I'm making covenant because you made covenant with people who were stronger and had more money than you did because literally, when you were making covenant, you're saying, whatever I have, you have. Whoever is against you, they're against me. Right? And so God literally made a covenant, but he didn't just make it with Abraham. He said, Abraham, you're going to mess this up. I done seen you give your wife away twice <laughs> and do all kinds of other stuff. He's like, so Jesus himself went and cut the covenant and walked in, in between. It's a covenant that lasts forever. Now, when I think about this, I think about the, I was just thinking, I was like, oh man, I'm so tired of this fighting over land, and the Holy Spirit said, this isn't about land. This isn't about people, but this is about a promise. See, the enemy wants to take the promise. It's nothing to do with land. Do you know why he wants to take the the promise? If he wipes Israel off the face of the map, if there's no more Jews on this planet do you know what you can do with this book you can put it in the bin with every other book that don't work and the enemy knows that so he's like you know what I'm going to get I'm going to take the promise I'm going to come against that covenant and I'm going to break those people and I'm going to show those people and if I can do this then I'm going to win and that's why they're marked or you're like whew I'm glad I'm not Jewish well guess what as believers sometimes we get attacked too any attack we we face is because of a promise right but the good news is that he who watches Israel he that watches us neither slumbers or, or or sleeps and any attacks we get spiritually physically however god says in all things i will work for the good of those who love me right Right? And so you can you can trust God. You can trust His promise. You can trust what He wants to do. There's a peace that you can have in the midst of chaos because you know in whom you you belong, in whom you've believed, and you know that He's able to keep you until that day. And finally to to in two minutes left. I got enough time to score a touchdown. <laughs> Depending on what team I'm with right, it says this in Second Peter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Some of you are like, yeah, yes, I've been waiting forever for this. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This is a really good one because Peter's saying, hey, yeah, we want Jesus to come back. We want this to happen. But guess what? The reason that it's holding off, he gives you the reason. It is bear in mind that our Lord's patient means salvation. Do you know why he's holding back? Because he's wanting he believes he doesn't want anyone to perish but that everyone have eternal life. Right? And so why shouldn't we be like that? Why don't you say Father save them? Like like reach out to him, touch him. We know your promises are all, maybe. They're all no. Yes and amen. <laughs> oh, they're all what? Yes and amen. I I didn't hear that. Yes. Yes, and amen. yes and amen. They're all yes and a amen amen. <laughs> I don't know what amen is. And amen in Him, and that's really really good news for me and you. It's about the promise. There's a there's a spiritual or it's like you'd call it a spiritual here in here in America, but it's really a hymn that the Jewish people say, and it's, I'm not going to go in Hebrew because I'm running out of time, and I got a cold. This is what our forefathers, and this is what our forefathers and what makes us survive. This is what makes our ancestors and us survive the promise. Because it is not just one enemy who rose up against us to destroy us. But the Holy One, blessed is he, saved us from their hand. And so they sing this. And they sing it over and over and over. See, it's not about land. It's not about people. It's about a promise. Which all that affects people and the land. So know that. You can trust God, you can trust His word, and you can rest in His promises. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we just lift you up, and we thank you that He who watches Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. And we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for peace for Israel. but We also pray for peace and salvation for the Palestinians and the and and the the people who don't know you, Father. That you would somehow reach in there and turn their hearts around and, and just save them. But, Father, we also pray for your protection over over the military, over the operators, over hostages, and over civilians. And we just thank you for that. In the mighty name of Yeshua, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at baptist dot O-R-G